0: As we continue to move through the season of Easter, which will go all the way up until Pentecost, we're we're encountering these texts from Scripture, and we're engaging them, and we're looking for life. We're looking for resurrection life in the text. I'm so glad that Patrick talked about the full range of emotion we experience, because when you hear this text, it may sound like an unlikely place to go looking for life. So as you listen to this text, look for life. And also look at where Stephen, the main character,
1: where Stephen is looking. Our second scripture today is Acts 7, 55 through 60. But filled with the Holy Spirit, Stephen gazed into heaven And saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God look he said I see the heavens opened and the human ones standing at the right hand of God but they covered their ears and with a loud shout all rushed together against him Then they dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. And the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul, whom we know as Paul. While they were stoning Stephen, he prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he knelt down and cried out in a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When he had said this, he died. We celebrate the written word of scripture. Thanks Thanks be be to to God we celebrate the living word, Christ among us. Thanks Thanks be to God. Please pray, please pray with me.
0: Loving God, in every moment of our days, you bring us life. As we gather around your word, fill us with what we need so that we might go out and in the lives we live Bless the world with the power of your resurrection and ours. Amen. What a difference from last week's scripture. Do you remember? Last week, we had this beautiful glimpse of the early Christian community just after Easter and Pentecost. They were all gathered together, living life together. They learned together, prayed together, broke bread together. They shared everything they had as anyone had need, and they had the goodwill of all the people. Day by day, more and more people were becoming a part of their community, a lovely glimpse of life together. But in this morning's scripture, just a few chapters later, Stephen is proclaiming resurrection and he is stoned to death. The crowd rushes in at Stephen, gnashing their teeth. They drag him outside the city and they kill him. This week's scripture seems an unlikely place to go looking for life. Where is the bliss? Where is the peace? And even more fundamentally, what on earth has happened in these few chapters that has brought us to this tragic Moment. Well, first, let's meet Stephen and then see what got us here from last week to this week. Stephen is one of the very first deacons. If we had patron saints, Stephen would be the patron saint of deacons. Last week, scripture hinted to the fact that this community, their community, is growing fast, and it is. 2,000 here. 5,000 there, and remember, they're committed to sharing everything so as the community grows and the diversity and number of needs grow, they need to scale up their structures for making sure everyone has enough. This comes to a head when it becomes clear that some of the widows in one group, particularly vulnerable folks, are being overlooked in the distribution of food. So the 12 decide to appoint the seven seven deacons to lead the care and sharing in community. First among them is Stephen. By all accounts, Stephen is a good guy. Again and again, it is said that he is filled with grace and filled with faith and filled with Holy Spirit. We see that here, Stephen moving through the community, leading the care of the vulnerable and performing wonders and signs among the people. But opposition arises. Another group from within the community takes issue with what Stephen is saying and doing, and they stir up the people, and they have him brought before the council. Evidently, this group gives great importance to the temple structure, to the place and its structures of power. This is where God is in the temple, and Stephen with his experience of Jesus, but standing in that same tradition, emphasizes a God who is on the move in the world, in the midst of us, the God of the temple and of the tent. His opponents disagree with Stephen, they view him as a threat and they bring him to trial. And in the chapter before this, almost the whole chapter, Stephen presents his defense. He tells the story from their shared tradition of this God on the move with Abraham and with Joseph, and with Moses, with the people in slavery in Egypt, and in the wilderness with the people in exile. He tells of the prophets who pointed the way and their rejection again and again, and then he connects all that to Jesus, and then he looks to his opponents and says, was there ever a prophet you did not persecute? And perhaps understandably, the crowd swells with rage, Now I need to pause here and say this, there is an abusive reading of this scripture and of other scriptures in the New Testament that is anti-Semitic and that has been used for great harm. That abusive reading looks at this text and says that something called the Jews are to blame for what happens here. It reads Stephen's opponents as the Jews. That reading, is not historic, it's not faithful to this text or to the gospel of Jesus Christ, I categorically reject it and so should we all. What's going on here is both more particular and in a way more universal. Perhaps most fundamentally it's important to understand that everybody in this story, everybody in this story was Jewish. They share an identity and a tradition. This is an intra-community disagreement, and the disagreement becomes heated and then violent, and we see power over welling up as power over does in the particularity of this disagreement. And that's where this is also somehow more universal when Stephen says to his opponents, was there ever a prophet you did not persecute? He names the truth. He names a truth about how power over responds to the prophetic word. Power over doesn't like the prophetic. It never has because the prophetic word is always insisting that something must change, that power must change. Has there ever been a prophet you haven't persecuted? Power over always works to silence the prophetic. We know that, and we know what that looks like in our world. I think of Martin Luther King Jr., and the violent reaction to the freedom fighters and to folks who sat at lunch counters. I think of that lone student standing in front of a tank in Tiananmen Square. And because Janie Spar is much on my mind these days, I'm thinking of Janie standing up to the Presbyterian Church USA year after year on behalf of LGBTQIA plus people in our families and the ways that the church struck back and prosecuted her. Power over always tries to silence the prophetic word. That is the universal dynamic we see embodied in the particularity of the gnashing teeth of this text. This is the world we know. Stephen names truth about how power over works and it strikes a chord and we come to this morning's scripture. This is an unlikely place to go looking for glimpses of life. Standing in the terror of this text, I'm going to suggest that we go looking where Stephen looks. That is, after all, precisely what he is telling us to do. Look, look. The crowd is enraged, full of fury. They gnash their teeth at Stephen and they come for him and then it's as if the action stops. Like in a movie, they're coming at him and it all freezes for a moment. And Stephen gazes into heaven and says, look, look, in this moment, Stephen looks beyond the violent cra- violence crashing down on him, and he sees something more. He gazes into heaven, look, I see heaven opened up, and the human one, the risen Christ, standing at the right hand of God. And then the action cranks up again. The crowd can't bear it. They cover their ears and with a loud shout, a loud cry, they rush together at him. They drag him outside the city and they begin to stone him. And then then it's as if the action freezes again or, or maybe the crowd just blurs into the background as if all that is in focus now is Stephen. And while they are stoning him and he gazes beyond them into heaven, Stephen prays, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Stephen falls on his knees. Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And as he says this, he dies, or more literally in the Greek, he falls asleep. This scene of death does feel an unlikely place to go looking for life but maybe it's exactly the place to go looking for the life we are talking about. Because here it all is, death and life side by side. As one writer says, this is the story of a death that was precipitated by a bold proclamation of resurrection. And yet even as the powers do what powers do, Stephen is able to look beyond that to something more and to trust and to forgive and to invite the crowd rushing toward him to see all that too. Look, look, in this life and death scene, Stephen practices the resurrection life he has proclaimed. Notice Stephen's gaze. Somehow, somehow as the crowd rushes toward him, Stephen gazes into heaven and sees something more. This, this gaze, it's the Greek world, a It's It's more, more than just physical sight, it's a deeper perception, an intentional focus of awareness here on Jesus somehow Stephen in the midst of this melee is able to look and to maintain a steady focus beyond the fray and what he sees is the risen Christ Stephen sees a powerful a power that is more powerful than the power coming at him he gazes into heaven and sees Jesus standing with ultimate authority over everything that is happening here look look Amy Oden calls this the prophetic gaze. The prophetic gaze names the harm being perpetrated here. It doesn't gloss over it. It names it plain. It doesn't shy away from it. That is, after all, what brought Stephen to this moment. He has spoken truth to power about power. The prophetic gaze names all of that and then looks beyond it. Looks beyond it to a bigger reality at work in the world for good. Stephen looks to the God who has always been in the midst of us and rests his gaze on the risen Christ. And in his gaze, Stephen sees and leans into and embodies resurrection life. Look, look. And notice what Stephen does. Notice the forgiveness. The crowd plugs their ears. They will hear no more. They let out a shout and pick up their stones. And Stephen says, Lord, receive my spirit. And then, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. Stephen forgives them. He prays for them. While they are raining down stones on him, he forgives them. Who does that? How does anyone do that? Well, most obviously, Jesus does. These things that Stephen says here, they're familiar because they're what Jesus says at crucifixion, receive my spirit, forgive them. Stephen does hear what Jesus does. But really... In our world, in our lives, how do you name honestly the harm at loose in this world, all the harm, and even so, set your gaze on and live into a bigger reality? I think of South Africa, where after years and years of apartheid, through a process of truth and reconciliation, they have been able to move into a bigger reality, not uncomplicated but somehow healing. I think of Northern Ireland, where after years and years of conflict and troubles, they have just celebrated the 25th anniversary of the Good Friday Peace Accord, 25 years of living in peace, not uncomplicated, but healing. I think of Congressman John Lewis, who said that in the midst of the struggle, it's important to live as if. He said, you've got to live as if the new reality you long for is already here, even as we live our lives in the hard realities of the world that we are changing. Stephen names the reality of power in his world, and even in the midst of this mob, he gazes into the heaven and sees beyond the shouts and the stones, he sees life, and with his last breath, he lives that out. Forgive them. Do not hold this sin against them. And I wonder what that kind of forgiveness might look like in my life, in yours, in ours. I know moments in my life when I have been able to forgive and moments when I have not. What would it be like for those wrongs that I hold on to because they are real wrongs to still say true things about the harm and to gaze beyond it, to not be bound by it anymore or be defined by it, to see life beyond the fray and to live into that. And for those places where I am a part of the fray, where I'm complicit in the harm, what might it mean to listen to Stephen when he says, look, look, to look and to see what he sees, to put down the stone, to live what he lives, to receive that kind of forgiveness and to let it change me. Now I wish I could say that after this morning's scripture, the powers put down their stones, but they don't. Did you notice that mention of who was standing there watching all this? Mary and I tried to point it out. This young guy named Saul, whom we know now as the Apostle Paul, the guy who wrote a big chunk of the New Testament. Saul is standing there, Scripture says, in the next verse, just after our, this morning's Scripture, Saul is standing there approving what they do. And after this, he will begin an even broader persecution of those who think like Stephen. But we also know that on down the road, he too will encounter the risen Christ and allow himself to be transformed. And some point, years later, Paul, proclaiming with every bit of his life the exact same thing that that, uh, Stephen proclaims here, will look back. He'll look back on this moment and say, I know who I was then, and I know who I am now. I know that the only way I got from there to here is by the grace of God and by the liberating power of resurrection. The resurrection life that Stephen lives out here will reverberate and radiate through Paul, through all the lives that will follow down through the generations, all the way into this present moment into us. Stephen's gaze fixed on the life we find in the risen Christ, healing and justice and mercy, stronger than and beyond any power that can do us harm. At first glance, this morning's scripture may indeed seem like an unlikely place to go looking for life. But in this moment, in this moment with Stephen, maybe we find life where it matters most.